Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Well, blessings and peace, church. I'm so excited to get to preach this morning. It is still the Easter season. We're still thinking about Easter, but we're talking a little bit about a new direction. And we started into it last week to think about what it means for us to find community. It's going to be a uh, a three-part, really a three-part series where we talk about find community, build faith, and then reach beyond. And we're going deep into that. What does it mean for us as a church to kind of be defined by those three things, find community, build faith, and reach beyond? All right, so let me ask you a question. Are you guys, or is anybody here online or maybe in the house, and we'll, we'll check a threshold too, that has like family shirts like you do a thing and your family makes shirts for it. Have you ever seen that? You ever been a part of that? Now, now, now I'm not talking about like Christmas clothes where you all wore the red and black checkerboard. Pla- is it plaid? Is that called plaid? A bunch of guys in the house. We don't know. I think it's the checkerboard pattern, whatever that is, right? No, no, I'm not talking about that. You took a picture. It was cute. Everybody was, anyway. No, I saw what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like Gingham. the people that have family, huh? Gingham. Gingham. That's the name of that? I think. That's definitely not it. So like when a family has a reunion and, uh, and they have like, you know, uh, you know, Simpkins family reunion 2020, you ever seen this kind of stuff? Well, our family doesn't really do that so much, but we did for a long time. We were running marathon, half marathons together and we would get together as a family and it was called the Melody Marathon Clan. Now, for those of you that know me, you know, my wife's name is Melody. That's actually her family's uh, that's their Irish last name it comes from the Melody Clan. So they had the Melody Clan, Running Clan, and all this kind of stuff. It was really, really fun. And, uh, and, 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 and then when I was a little kid, I had a family shirt because my dad ran for Congress in 1984. Everybody like, man, that's back in the day. And it was, uh, and, and we, he didn't win. Praise the Lord, because my whole life would have been different. His whole life would have been different. But at the time, it was crazy embarrassing, like as a kid, because I had to wear Simpkins for Congress stuff, you know, because you're supporting the family. And as a little kid, I was like, man, I don't know where this shirt that I want to just put on a T-shirt with Superman. on it. Don't make me watch it. Of course, now I've got one still. And it is amazing because I walk around and people are like, you run for Congress? I'm like, I don't know, maybe. I mean, but it's, I mean, it is what it is. But nothing could be as embarrassing <clears throat> as when I was in New York City. We went up to New York, had a family vacation. We we're walking through Times Square. And I don't know, maybe this is a good idea, but it was, it had to be crazy embarrassing because this dude had a name on his shirt right up on top in the back. And then right underneath it, it says, if this kid is lost, call 314-453-1213. And I'm thinking, what? What in the world? Why would you? I mean, what a crazy shirt to wear. First of all, because you're advertising your phone number to everybody in Times Square, which is problematic already. But like then you're walking around like, okay, this kid is going to get so lost that he's going to forget who he is, forget his phone number. And somebody's going to have to rely on a shirt to figure out how to get him. I mean, can you imagine this? This is the craziness of this idea that you would be lost. But today... We're talking about lost kids. Now, I'm going to walk through scripture and thinking about how embarrassing this is, this lost kid, man, in New York. But think about this story. This has a lot of embarrassment, a lot of loss in it. It's Luke chapter 15. I want you to walk through this with me. I'm going to kind of go through it a little bit and stop every once in a while. I'm reading the NIV this morning. So if you've got your collections of of Bibles in a basket and you're like, which one is he going to do today? Pull out the NIV. Verse 11 says, Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued. Now, I'll tell you what he's continuing from in just a little bit. There was a man who had two sons. 
Now, we got we to gotta know why he's telling us. There was a man that had two sons. Why in the world is he telling us that he has two sons? Because Jesus wants them to understand that this is a small family, two sons, and what's about ready to happen is pretty significant. It's not like this guy had 18 sons and this, or 18 children even, and this one son's about to do this thing. It's just one of the two. He's got one, got two. All right, keep that in mind. The younger one said to his father, also significant, because the older one is the one who typically gets the inheritance, and the older one is the one who's typically like the crown jewel. So the younger one is important here to know that he was lesser. He was not as important in the family line. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. The verse isn't even over, and so much has happened. The younger son says to the father, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead right now because I don't want you in my life. I just want your money in my life. And then, and then the father does it. He immediately divides his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. That's a really easy target, wild living. I mean, I don't know what wild living is, but we don't hear about it in a minute. <clears throat> Verse 14 says, after he had spent everything. <clears throat> now, pause for a second. This is a man of great wealth who had so much that he could split it between the two kids and still be okay, apparently, because we hear that a little, in a little bit later. This son takes half of inheritance and goes out and spends everything. Then it gets even worse. There was a severe famine in that whole country. What was once bad is now even worse, and he began to be in need. Verse 15. So he went <clears throat> and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. Now keep in mind, this is a son of a father of great wealth, so much that he could just divide it in half and send half of it away, right? He probably had not had to work a day in his life. And this guy sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. All right, I know this is a lot, and I keep stopping. You're like, Matt, can you, just, can you just finish reading the story? But there's so much here, guys. There's so much here. He went out to feed the pigs. Now, remember that Jesus was a Jew, right? And remember that throughout like the entirety of, the, of, Christi of, of, of uh, Hebrew scriptures, pigs are disgusting. Pigs are not to be touched. They're not to be eaten. They're not to have, you don't have anything to do with pigs, all right? That is a big deal. Sends him out to the fields to feed the pigs. And this guy's in such dire straits. Verse 16 says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, ha, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Have you ever, have you ever been in trouble so bad that you had to re like rehearse what it was that you were going to say? Or maybe, like, maybe you were like dating a girl and like you, you really messed up and you're like, you're like trying to, you're like coming up with it on the phone. You're like, all right, so when I call her, I'm going to be like, okay, baby, I know it was our six month anniversary and um, I should have been on it and I should have got you flowers. I totally forgot. And all I did was just bring in my fast food and start eating in front of you. I'm really sorry. Like, I'm really sorry. You tried to, or, or you like, you're going to text somebody an apology and you start texting and you're like, nope, delete, 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 delete. He's rehearsing this whole thing. 
So he knows exactly what to say. But this is where it gets really crazy. Verse 20 says, he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long way off, note that. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Note that. He ran, note that, to his son, threw his arms around him, note that, and kissed him, note that. Remember, all of these things are so significant. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Excellent rehearsed speech. Let's see if he buys it. Ready? Here we go, team. Here we go. But the father said to his servants, get out of here, boy. I don't want to have nothing to do with you. You messed up the whole family. Everybody hates you. The whole town's mad at you. Get out of here. Nobody wants you anymore. You already told me I was dead, and now I'm alive. Now you might as well be dead. Gone with your bad self. <laughs> Oh, wait, that's not what it says. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. This was unexpected. As Jesus would be telling this story, everybody would be like, what? That's crazy. That's crazy. But then it gets even crazier. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, <clears throat> he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out, again, went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years, I've been slaving for you. Choice of words, son, keep it together. I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, note that, this is incredibly significant because the brother, the older brother has disowned him as well who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, and you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead, is alive again. He was lost, but now is found. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. All right. Okay, 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 okay. I get it. It's so easy to focus in on the son in the story. We, we've all done things that we're ashamed of. We've all had to eat dirt and come home and apologize at some point. But this is even more intense for most of our stories. And, and I, I talked about it at the moment because it really was that this younger son told the father, I wish you were dead. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Give me my inheritance. I'm out. I don't know what led to this point. I can't imagine what's led to this. What would make you call on the death of your parents? What hurt him that he wanted to turn in on himself and away from his family? Well, we don't really know. We don't have all of that story. But for so many of us, this story is so real because somehow, somewhere along the way, you were hurt. Might have been by a parent or a brother or a sister or or maybe another family member, or, or maybe it was a friend that just hurt you. You can identify with the hurt that would make you want to say, no more do I want you in my life. 
But when we turn that hurt toward our Heavenly Father, we're making a decision to leave the presence of the Lord and putting ourselves in a foreign land. And when we push away the Lord, we ultimately experience hell. Hell is just the absence of God, right? Or the valley where God is over there and we are over here. But for some reason, we do this all the time and it breaks my heart because we just experience this awful hell when we push away the Father. Now, speaking of broken hearts, this is a tough one. I know this is like a post-Easter sermon. You're like, you know, Pastor, come on. Let's, let's get with the positive. Right? Just, just wait for it. You know me. You know I'm going to get there. Just, just walk with me, though, for a minute. I saw some lost dogs signs go up this week where it was this guy had lost their, lost their dog, and it was a pretty skittish dog, and he was certainly really worried. I saw the guy actually putting him up, and I, I, as I was driving by, I could, you could just see the hurt in his heart as he was putting these signs up. I mean, he was even taping them over road signs, like the stop sign, on the stop sign, so you would absolutely not miss it. I mean, just think about the hurt that would put you in that place where you would think like that. He must have been hurting so much. And, of course, we hate that when that happens to any family. It's super awful. But this brings up a really, really good point. Now, if you tuned out for a minute and you want to go get a coffee, come back. Because this is where you really want to tune into what's happening. This story is not really so much about the son as much as it is about the father. It's about the father sacrificing everything for this, lo- this, first, this, this lost one. Jesus goes on. I told you what I would tell you, like why it said Jesus continued. All right. Jesus goes on. It starts in chapter 15. And Jesus goes on for two and a half chapters. This is just a small section of it about what's going on. Jesus is talking about searching for the lost coin. Jesus is talking about how we understand each other. Uh, Just like the man putting up the signs, Jesus is talking about the father that would do anything for his child, anything for his children, anything. So we got to dive into the father part for a second. Note these few details, all right? One, the father freely gives up his wealth for the son freely gives up his wealth for the son everyone in that room everyone in that room listening to jesus tell this story would have been like uh that never happens so the story is crazy number two the father runs jesus uses the word runs everybody in that room would have been like uh a man of prestige and power No, that's just not becoming. He doesn't run. People run for him. Like if he wants something done, he says, go get this. They run, do the thing, and then come back. Number three, the father kisses and hugs. That never happens either. A father would never stoop so low as to hug and kiss a child. I mean, that's just just a little bit much. I mean, that's for the mom to do. Remember when I talked about the hell that happens when we push away the Father, that we experience just hell when we're pushing away the Father. But you see, there's another side of the one that's being pushed away. It's that which the Father experiences when we are lost, when we've gone off in a direction away from God. The Father experiences that hurt, that loss. father's out looking for him it says even when he was a long way off see God is willing to give us his all even when we abandon God even when we run in the absolute opposite direction God fights through hell 
for each and every one of us. Think about what just happened in our story, the Easter story, that God would send his only son to die so that we might live. Jesus goes to the cross, to the tomb, and in that moment defeats hell and death forever. God would go through all of that just for each and every one of us. God gives up power, prestige, and honor just to come out and carry us home. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, church. That's not really the point that Jesus is making here. He's actually trying to get them and us to understand how we treat each other. The understanding of how we treat community. We love to separate each other. We love to push different people for any given reason. Skin color seems to be the easiest one right now. Oh, you're Asian? No, I don't want you around me. Oh, you're black? Ah, I don't want you around me. Oh, you're, you're white? You'll never understand. You got to get away from me too. We separate each other all the time. We love to point out everybody's differences and faults. Oh man, do you hear how they talk, man? They're ending sentences with prepositions. <laughs> I mean, you even can you imagine such a thing? For some reason, maybe it makes us feel better about ourselves. I don't know why we do it, but we do that. And often, we want to identify in this story with the father, maybe. Oh, I've had someone hurt me, and I've lost, and, and then I waited for them to come home. Awesome. Or maybe you were the son. Oh, I can't believe I hurt this person, and, I, and I, I did awful things. I've got to go back and figure this thing out. That's easy. Like That's relatable. That makes sense to us. But nobody wants to be the other character in this story, because wait for it. Here it comes. And that's really who Jesus is speaking to. For two and a half chapters Jesus is speaking to the other character check this out the beginning of Luke 11 right at the very beginning of this chapter said that there were tax collectors and sinners there they would have easily found themselves in the sun right they were called tax collectors and sinners what, what does that even mean it just means those who were feeling lost probably at the time who didn't know like remember tax collectors were the ones that were appointed by the Ro roman government and they were supposed to tax their fellow friends and families like they were not loved people because of what they were supposed to do as their job and sinners just these are just outsiders people that have felt like they didn't belong they would have easily found themselves in the character of the sun but Jesus is talking to the other people that were there as well. You know who that was? Says this in verse 2. There were Pharisees who were muttering. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They're saying this under their breath. Can you imagine where we are? This guy, this teacher, he's, he thinks he's really, really great. But he hangs out with all of these awful people. Could you imagine? He's actually like eating with them like this. This is crazy. And we often identify with the sun. But you know who we are a lot of the times, church? We're the older brother. We are. The older brother is the establishment. Note, he said when he was talking to his father, your son, this son of yours, not my brother. See, he's disowned his brother in that moment. That's us too. We're the ones that point fingers. We're the ones that divide. We're the ones, we're the church that's, that's been here, Lord. But then something amazing happens. And I've read this story over and over and over again. I've been a pastor for, I don't know, 15 years plus, 20, almost 20 years, right? Like, been doing ministry for a long, long time. And I've read this story a ton, and I have not noted this until this day. So if you were tuning out, and now you got your coffee, and now you're back in, I'm about to finish this sermon, and I want you to hear this point, because I think this is the one you've been waiting for. Something amazing happens. Any Anybody, um, anybody 
grew up in a small town. Anybody, anybody in the house, y'all grew up in a small town? I know some of y'all live in a small town. I, I kind of grew up in a small town. It's not a small town anymore. But those of you that grew up in a small town, you, you always knew there was like that one person from your high school that like made it. You know what I'm talking about? Like they, like they, they made it out and they're like really, really, they did something big time. They finally made it out of the town. I know you guys are, know what I'm talking about. Or how about the person <clears throat> on the other side did the really awful, embarrassing thing? So when I was a kid, there was a kid that was like, I think we we're in third grade and he like explosively threw up in the middle of class while the teacher was teaching, like just sitting at the desk and all of a sudden it was like the exorcist or something. <laughs> He's it's like going all over the desk, all over the floor. And all of us, you know, like kind of shook us because all of a sudden he was like yakking in the air. And he was known for that forever it felt like this poor kid even had to change schools because he was known as the kid who threw up there was another kid that came in in sixth grade and he stood up on the first day of school and and when they were taking roll he said my name's catfish literally i kid you not and the whole class was like catfish and he goes yep because i go out fishing at night and the morning i come home smelling like catfish everybody calls me catfish everybody go ahead and call me catfish i'm telling you dude (laughs) Never, I mean, like, it just, it blew all of our minds. Like, he wants us to really call him Catfish, and he was forever known. You always knew that person that did that thing. Oh, there goes Jesse. He made it. He made it out of town. He did this awesome thing. He's famous now. He lives in Paris. He's doing cool stuff. It's amazing. Oh, and then there's John. Remember when John was, like, kind of wasted and drove his car in the McDonald's sign? (laughs) I was there last week. 20 years later, he's still working at the same McDonald's. I mean, come on, man. That's ridiculous. What a loser. With this story, Jesus is speaking to a community. A community of people that are very different in lots of different ways. And in this story, think about what it would have meant for a child to do this. The whole community would have known what that son had done. They would not have easily forgotten what he did. And they could have easily pointed fingers and ostracized him just like the older brother. But remember when I said this amazing thing happens? See, the father calls them all into the party. All of them. All of them together. The father is the one who breaks down those those barriers. This might be the important thing in this entire story of how the father brings community around the uh, the, the lost. We often skip that party detail. But we can't forget the party because that's the whole point of the story. It's not so much the division or what the son did to the father. And maybe not even as much about the father's reaction as the father. What the father does to the entirety of the community is brings the younger, the older son, and the entire community of people that would have known what an awful dude this kid was. And he brought them all together to celebrate this new movement. This might be the most important thing. We can't skip that detail. He brings them into forgiveness and new life. Sisters and brothers, whether we feel like the son or the older brother or at one point in our lives we're probably going to be both of them we just need to remember the good news the lord of all creation is always seeking us out waiting and hoping that we'll return to god's loving arms so if so if you're the son come home and if you're the brother come to the party and live in that same forgiveness that the son is now experiencing that same father is willing to pour himself out for each of us he's willing to take on the cross for us he's willing to take on each and every burden just for us, for you, for me, no matter what we've done or not done, no matter how long we've been gone, no matter what we've said or how we've abandoned God in the past, God doesn't care. God just wants you home.
for years we've called this story the prodigal son. And I got kind of fed up with that because I was like, no, man, we got to call it the waiting father. Because it's about the father and the father waiting. But I think I was wrong about that one too. The waiting father isn't the best name for this story because God's not just sitting there waiting, hopeless, dejected. It should be the running, hoping, humble, loving, forgiving, grace-filled, merciful father for the lost son and the older brother. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's what a community of God looks like. Church, that's who we're supposed to be as God's community, a forgiving, loving, humble community that seeks out all of our similarities rather than our differences, and one that invites every single one of us to the party so that we can be a part, no longer lost but found, no longer angry but forgiven because the Lord is running, hoping, loving, forgiving each and every one of us, and we don't deserve it, not one of us, but yet that's the Lord we have, and that's what the kingdom of God looks like. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for meeting us in our lostness. As we try to push you away, you run even faster and harder towards us that you might put a ring on our finger and a robe around us to remind us that we are royalty to you, that we are heirs of the kingdom with Jesus. God, for all of the lost children out there, call us home. For all of the angry older brothers out there, call us home. For all of the communities out there, broken, hurting, and finding division, bring us all home to the party. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.